Jesus said, you'll be my disciples. He said, you'll be witnesses for me where? You shall be my witnesses. And where did he say you'd be the witnesses? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. Chapters 3, 4, and 5, we have the witness in Jerusalem. All of it takes place in Jerusalem. And what we have is the, the Jews telling the other Jews in Jerusalem that Jesus is the Messiah. And this has caught fire in Jerusalem. And we know of at least 5,000 believers, and most likely, uh, for the rational thinker, there were 5,000 men, so there has to be upwards of 10,000 or more who have believed in Jesus and filling Jerusalem. So with that scene in mind, think about what the believers are doing. We're going to see all three of them today. The believers are meeting in home fellowships, like some of us uh, we do from time to time. And our growth groups are in home fellowships. They don't have a building, right? They don't have a, you know, First Baptist of Jerusalem is not hanging out over there. So they have home fellowships where they're meeting regularly for renewal. Then they have the temple where they come and meet for witness. That's where preaching is going on and the apostles are testifying for Christ. Then they also go spend time where they don't want to spend any time, and that's at the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin, of course, is the ruling body of the, the council, the Jews, the 70 who are ruling at this time. So that's where we find them. They go there for defense of the gospel. So we'll see all three of those places today, but that's what you see in chapters 3, 4, and 5. Now today, we come to chapter 5. You've got to look back two verses into chapter 4, where it says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostle called Barnabas, which meant son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So remember, remember that. Many times we see the part about Barnabas being the son of encouragement. Matter of fact, I said something about that last week, and that's important, that he was the son of encouragement. But what this, the context, the end of chapter 4, is that they were sharing. They were giving things away. They were selling land and giving it back. And then we come to chapter 5. Now, let me give you what this is going to look like. At the end of chapter 4, you have sincerity, right? They're giving of this property, selling the property, giving the money, and distributing it to others. And, and this is not part of the lesson, but this is not communism in its early forms, all right? We don't have time to talk about that, but that's not what this is. It has nothing to do with that, but there's a whole other lesson for that. We're not going to do that today. So they're sharing within the believer's community and helping those who are in need, and then this sincerity is followed by sin. And it's the first event of sinfulness that's shown in this young church, in the, in the new church, in the first church with Ananias and Sapphira. So you've got two possibilities for how this chapter lays out. So you take the first 11 verses, one outline, the first 11 verses would be Ananias and Sapphira. Famous story of the Bible, we'll talk about it today. The first case of, of extreme church discipline in the Bible, 
all right? Some of you don't know the story, you're gonna find out that it is, uh, you know, very extreme. Then in verse 12 down through verse 16, you've got the, the apostles have these signs and wonders start. And then the last part of the uh, chapter, verse 17 down through the end of the chapter, is the first uh, real persecution that we see of the apostles. And we're going to talk about that for a few minutes. Now, let's, uh, let's start this way. Or, or there's an alternate. I always give you an alternate outline for those of us that lack simplicity. This is, the, this is a good way to remember the ch chapter 5. The problem of sin that is from within, within the church, is the first 11 verses. The persecution that took place from without is verse 17 on down to the end of the chapter. And then you have a little transition there in verse 12 through 16. So there's two ways. You can remember it, either the problems from within and the persecution from without, or you can say, okay, Ananias and Sapphira, a lot of signs and wonders, and then the persecution takes place. Now, uh, let's read verses 1 through 11. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back. You should underline that in your Bible, all right? Kept back. If you look forward in verse 3, you'll find it again. Kept for yourself. So that we're going to use that, come back to that phrase in a minute. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Now remember, the last part of chapter 4, he sells property and comes and lays it at the apostles' feet. He gives it to, the, to, to support others. There's a little difference, though, in this. He kept back part of the money for himself. And in verse 3, it says, Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? A fairly serious condemnation. Notice that he used the word, he, how Satan has filled your heart. And yet with the rest of the church, we read earlier about a different filling, didn't we? The filling of the Holy Spirit. And I think that, you know, uh, Luke was emphasizing these words for a reason. So Satan had filled your heart. You lied to the Holy Spirit and you, again, kept for yourself. The same words that were used in the Old Testament of Achan in the book of Joshua. Remember, Achan went and he, God said, don't keep any of the spoils. You know, don't, don't take anything. And what did Achan do? And he said, no, I like this. This is, this is cool stuff. And he went and hid it in his tent. And then they lost the battle and people died because of his sin. And... What happened ended up being the death of he and his family because of this horrendous sin that caused the death of so many others. Same words used here. Of course, translated not in, uh, from the Hebrew, but translated from in Greek. Same, same words. He kept back. So it's the same sin of Achan that you have here. He said, now, he said, you kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to whom? God. He said earlier that how you lied to whom? The Holy Spirit. 
He's using that interchangeably, just as you'll, you'll see the whole trinity, of course, here in this chapter. So when Ananias heard of this, he fell down and died. First case of severe church discipline. All right? So if you're thinking about saying, I gave this much and I, I give, I'm giving it all, you may want to study this story just a bit. A very, very uh, tragic story. After it was sold, was it the money at your disposal? So when he died, it says after that, and great fear, great fear, phobos, P-H-O-B-O-S, the Greek word. We get our word phobia from that. Great fear seized all who had heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three, later, three hours later, it wasn't just good enough for, his, for him. His wife conspired in on this whole plot as well. It says his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter said, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? That's where she could have stopped and said, well, not exactly. What happened? She said, yes, that is the price. And Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young man came in, finding her dead, carried her out, and buried her beside her husband. Great fear, again, the words great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. This is a first sin event that's recorded in the church. And there was severe price to pay for that. Now, let's, let's just, for a second, let's just talk about this event. The, the sin of, three things, let me give you three things about it. The sin of Ananias and Sapphira was energized by Satan. It says, how has, in verse 3, how is it that Satan has filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? You'll see, this is a real, a real parallel to this, to our Garden of, of Eden, isn't there? As Satan comes and, and, and tempts and causes this, horrendous thing to happen. And Satan fills their hearts. So Satan had energized Ananias and Sapphira to do this evil. We just finished a series on the schemes of Satan. And you know, a lot of times, and we'll see this again and again, we just forget that this is not a guy running around with a pitchfork and in his red BVDs with a couple of horns on his head saying, you know, ah, I'm going to get you. And we laugh about it, we tease about it, and yet his whole mission is to destroy the life of Christians and defeat the church, the bride of Christ. And he does, this early church, people are getting saved by the thousands, things are going well. And what happens? Satan comes and he energizes, he fills the heart of Ananias and Sapphira. The thing is, this act was motivated by pride. Just like Satan said in, in the Garden of Eden, he said, oh, you'll be like God. Right? It's the same thing. He said, I, I, I can almost hear the whisper in their ear. <coughs> look, what, look what Barnabas did. He did that and everybody thinks he's the greatest thing in the world. They think he is just hot stuff. Man, he's, he's, he gave what He said, look what we can do. 
we can give a portion of this and say that we're giving everything like Barnabas did and look, we'll be, we'll be the top spiritual dogs in the church. And his wife said, let's do that. Let's lie to God. Let's lie to the Holy Spirit. And so it was motivated by pride. And then who was it directed at? It was directed at the church. They want to destroy this because things are moving. Things are going. Every time in Scripture you see God blessing and pouring out His blessing, here comes the schemer. Here comes the accuser of the brethren to try to stop what God's doing. So, when it says great fear, I, I noticed something from chapter 4, verse 33. Uh, you saw great power and great grace was powerfully at work with them. So we've had in the church, we've had great power and great grace. And now what do we see in the church? Great fear. I, I give credit to Chuck Swindoll for defining that so well for me. Fabas is a respectful awe for the holiness and power of God that filled the church. A respect and awe for the holiness and power of God that filled the church. Great power, great grace, and great fear. And, and church, see, he sees the whole church in verse 11. That's the first time the word church is used in Acts. It's the word ecclesia, which means a called out assembly of people. So we'll see that over and over and over again. That's the first place it's used. Okay? Now, let's go on. Let me stop here and just say something, though. This past week, and we've seen, a, you see a lot of things in the news about churches and about things that are happening that are, that just hurt you when you see them. Good people, good churches, things that happened. This past week, uh, uh, financial transactions and behavioral issues at a, at a very, very, very large church. One of my very, very favorite Bible teachers that I listened to daily was, there's no easy way to say it, that's what the press said, was fired from his church for financial issues and mismanagement primarily and then for some behavioral issues. From this story, let me just give you a couple of things that I gleaned from this. It's a good reminder to our responsibilities Number one, maintain personal integrity, transparency, and authenticity in your Christian life. Maintain personal integrity, transparency, and authenticity in your Christian life. Number two, maintain a clear conscience. Number three, be authentic. So, let's go on. Verses 12 through 16. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. Do I have a picture of that up? This is, you remember, this is the model of the temple area. And this area over here, it's a little fuzzy. Maybe you can see it. This area over here on the left, that's Solomon's portico, porch, or the, the colonnade, they called it, because it stretched on the eastern side all the way from uh, north to south. Now... 
this is, this is what it could have looked like. This is a model. Go to the next slide. This is also a depiction. It is blown up where it's hard to see. But that gives you an idea of the colonnade. See the thousands of people that will fit in there. This is probably what we're talking about, what it looked like when these guys go out and are preaching. When, like we saw last week, Peter and John are there preaching, but now the apostles are there. This is where they're coming, and they're being a witness for what happened. That's what it could have looked like, and most likely it did, from what all of the scholars tell us. So there it's uh, at Solomon's Colonnade, and uh, let's go on. It said, no one else dared join them. Isn't that interesting? They didn't want to join them. Why? Why didn't they want to join them? Why didn't the crowd just jump up and say, okay, everybody join in. This is, this is great. Why not? I, I mean, this is life-changing, <laughs> right? This is, this, is life, this is the Messiah that they're asking to commit to. No one else dared join them, even though they were what? Highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord, despite the obstacles that we just read about, that the church has got the first case of, a, of serious, serious sin, and lying to God and trying to take credit for something that they didn't do. They could have given the whole thing or they could have just declared the price and said, I'm giving part of it. It was in their control, he said. But they, they lied about it. And now all this obstacles and people are coming by the thousands and coming to Christ. And notice what he said this time. Is there anything different in the way he said it? More and more men and women believed in the Lord were added to their number. Now, he said it before. He said 3,000 came, 5,000 came. Anything different here? Women. What? Women. women. First time women is mentioned, women are mentioned coming to Christ in the book of Acts. And women, you'll find if you, if you trace this out, that there's at least a dozen references to women's, to women's role and belief and, and service and faithfulness in the church in the book of Acts. Verse 15, as a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Now, no, 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 nowhere does it say in Scripture that Peter's shadow healed anybody. Okay? It said that's what they, they were hoping. And perhaps just when he passed by, people were being healed. But, it could, you know, it does say that they all got healed. Look at verse uh, 16, crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem. So what's happening? The word is starting to spread beyond Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. All of them were healed. So what happens? Satan tries to divide the church, and what happens? The church multiplies. Satan tries to disgrace the church, Look at Ananias and Sapphira. Look at them. That's your church. And he tries to disgrace the church. And what happens? It says that the church was highly regarded by those outside of the belief of Christ. And then it says that he's trying to decrease the church. And what happens? It, God increases the church. So the plot is foiled. But now, let's, let's throw something else in there. Now we have the apostles are going to be persecuted. And what you just read. Yes, sir. Starting in 15, it's like there's two different groups of people. Some brought people and laid them out 
just hoping the shadow would heal them, or that they be hit by the shadow. Then at the end it says people bringing, uh, they were bringing people from towns around Jer Jerusalem and all were healed. So maybe the shadow healed. You know, it, 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 you're, it's very possible. It could be everybody. Every, everybody got healed that came for healing. It could be, you know, well, if I get into this, it'll take me too long. There's a lot of good stories about that, but that, that's, a, that's a good point. I think the key is, let's compare it to some of the faith healing we have today. Okay? Some of, as you can see on television and, you know, it's always accompanied by, you know, not always, but a lot of times it's accompanied by some type of outward overt act, like smacks them on the head and, you know, lays hands on them, kicks them to see the pants. Whatever they do, you know, kick out the crutches. And, and I, I'm, I'm mocking a bit because uh, sometimes it should be, I think, uh, because the truth needs to be told. We need to be authentic about this. But here's the big problem with that, what you said uh, is, is correct. It's the word A-L-L. -L. How many times in those, those uh, healing services, if I wa and I've watched them many times, uh, where they come forward and said, I'm sorry, you don't have the faith to be healed. Go sit down. And when you've got the faith, it's an out. It's an out for the faith healer. The reason you didn't get healed is because you didn't have the faith. I, it's funny there doesn't seem to be a lot about the faith of the person being healed here, is there? It is not mentioned. Yes, I, I, I think the key is all were healed. Now, let's, let's just quickly go over this next part because... Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I think in that reference, it shows the power of the Holy Spirit in Peter and John what the Holy Spirit can do to an individual Amen. if they uh, surrender to it. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I've always thought that that's a special scripture that those guys that's you know, they have so gotten into this thing that uh, they could walk by people and they'd be healed. It's not them, but it's the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm, and I'm glad you said that. Because I, I, that, that's a really, and I, I didn't pay him to do this, but it's a really good segue to what I wanted to say. I actually paid Valerie to, you know, to... <laughs> The, you know, these miracles, what do these miracles do? And you're right, they were all, it came as a result, you go to, have to go back to Acts chapter 2, because when they were uh, filled with the Spirit, when the, the indwelling ministry of the Spirit began, Jesus said, go to Jerusalem, wait for the Spirit to come, right? So they, then they started having these miracles. They started having these miracles. What did these miracles do? What did they do for these men? It verified their message, authenticated their message. Now, have you ever thought about that God does this every time he introduces a new age? When God introduced the age of law, who was performing the miracles at the same time? Moses. 
right? When the age of the prophets was entered, uh, they entered into the age of the era of the prophets, what was happening then? Elijah and Elisha performing miracles. When Jesus and the apostles, when Jesus was on earth, authenticating his message came, and the apostles' message came with signs and wonders. And what's happening here? The Holy Spirit is using Peter, John, and the apostles. Now we've got the, we've got the other ten guys who have decided they're going to join in too. And so the apostles, of course they joined at the wrong time because they're going to go to jail here in a minute. But they, they joined in, and what happened? It's authenticating their message. And God does that because of, of, of one simple truth is that the complete revelation of his scripture, of his message, had not been completed yet. And so he authenticated the message through those performing signs and wonders, as we have here. Yes, sir. You know, while you're saying that, too, I've been, I, read, I went back and I read in that chapter 4 also, it shows this is an answer to prayer, to the prayer that was read in, in John chapter 4. That's right. Because he's speaking of signs and wonders there, and then it's happening now. That's right. It was an answer to prayer. That's okay. right. In other words, the power of the Holy Spirit went beyond just a shadow of Peter. He was working through that. That's right. You know, grant us the boldness, he said in chapter 4. He said, grant us boldness to perform, to preach, and to perform these miracles in your name. And that's exa- it was an answer to prayer. It's exactly. The Holy Spirit used them, empowered them as they prayed, and we see the evidence here. But what happens after that takes place? Everything, everybody's, man, this is the greatest thing in the world. They're, they're, they're just tired and kites. Maybe that's not the right way to say that. But they were very happy. And then in verse, then the bad guys come back. Here comes, I'm sorry, Ron. Here comes the mob boss, the high priest. The high priest. And so we have Annas and Caiaphas. Remember, they, they, their father-in-law, son-in-law, high priest duo, and, their, and the boys. You know, I, to me, it would, if they came out with uh, sunglasses and machine guns in their hand, you know, probably what they, what they were like back then. So we've got the bad boys coming in, and they said, they, it also says that they were members of the party of the Sadducees. Remember who the Sadducees were? Does anybody remember who the Sadducees were? Anybody? They didn't believe in the resurrection. Boy, that was great. <laughs> I didn't believe in the resurrection, like in stereo. That was great. They were the wealthy aristocrats who did not believe in the miraculous. They believed the first five books, the Pentateuch. They, were, they loved their control. They were loyal to Rome. They wanted to control everything. And man, this was not, this was not good that this was happening. Now the high priest and, and the bad boys, they, they all were Sadducees. So it said they were filled with jealousy. I'm not going to read all of this, but I'll just point out a couple of things. They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. Now, public jail was an open or visible jail to those so that they could make a, an example out of them. It says, go stand, and, and, and they, they put them in jail, but what happened? An angel of the Lord opens the doors of the jail. I thought that was funny. What did the Sadducees not believe in? Angels. They don't believe in angels. And what happens? An angel comes and breaks them out. How do you like that, boys? An angel let me out. This is just, Luke has, he does have a sense of humor. <laughs> Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. Well, what am I supposed to tell people about? Tell them about your new life. 
And so they go on and they, they call together the Sanhedrin. Now who are the Sanhedrin? Not the Sadducees, but the Sanhedrin. Who's the Sanhedrin? That's the, you know what I, you know, with bad hearing, you know what you hear? That's exactly right. It's the 70 people that were the council, the ruling council, and I said it was like two different groups that we have in our society today, and what would that be? Did anybody remember? Supreme Court and Parliament. Be like putting those two together. So they're coming to the Sanhedrin. They said, okay, we're going, to have, we're going to tell you what's going on. Let's go get these boys out of jail. They go to jail. Well, guess what? They're not there. They come back in, the, uh, <laughs> in verse 24. It says that the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss wondering what this might lead to. <laughs> yeah, I bet they did. Then it says in verse 25, Look, the men you put in jail are standing. They, they ran away. They were so afraid because you put them in jail. Is that where they are? No. They went back to the temple, and they're standing there where everybody can hear them, and they're preaching Jesus. So they brought them up. They didn't use force because they feared the people would stone them. Smart. Verse 27, it said the San, uh, the, they were made to appear before the Sanhedrin to get questioned by the high priest. Now listen to this. I think this is really interesting. We gave you strict orders not to teach in what? This name. All right? Underline that. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Yet you filled Jerusalem. Like it. You filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of who? This man's blood. They would not mention who? Jesus. I, have you ever thought about this? You hear people talking about, well, you know, I'm, I'm not what I ought to be, but, you know, I believe in God. I'm not what I ought to be, but I pray to the man upstairs. Oh, what hogwash. <laughs> I'm not what, I, you know, maybe I'm not everything I need to be, but, I, you know, I, I pray to the Lord. That's why it's better to say, hey, let me ask you something. Do you believe in Jesus? And you notice how uncomfortable people, people don't get really uncomfortable. You're at work or you're in your neighborhood or you're with your friends and you start talking. You say, yeah, I believe in the Lord and I, I love God and I go to church. And everybody's sort of fine with that. You come in and you say, you know, I was praying to Jesus this morning and I believe that Jesus wants me to live this way and I believe Jesus is the answer. Why? Because there's power in his name. And they did not want to say anything about Jesus. Okay, that's just sort of a side note. Then verse 29, he said, We must obey God rather than human beings. And he goes on, he said, You raised Jesus from the dead. Peter wasn't afraid to say it. God raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as what? Prince and Savior. Now, the word prince means a pioneer, one who leads the way. They were familiar with the word savior, too. They believed there were uh, physicians were called saviors because they saved lives. Statesmen were called uh, saviors because they, kept, they, they, they spared them from danger and from war. Philosophers were called saviors because they solved problems. Peter said, no, there's one savior who saves you from sin, death, and judgment. That's who I'm talking about. We are witnesses, and they went on 
And he said, we are witnesses of these things, so is the Holy Spirit of God given to those who obey him. Let me give you this, and then we'll, we'll be through. There, in this passage of Scripture, there are four responses to truth. Okay? And I, I think you have on your sheet uh, where you can fill in the blank here so you can remember this. In this passage, that you have the council. That's, you have the Sanhedrin with the high priest and their followers. So you have the council, and they attack the truth. They attack the truth. That's in uh, verse 17 through 28. Then you have the apostles who affirm the truth. Then you have Gamaliel, who we'll see in a second. We won't read about him, but he's, he's a Pharisee, comes in, and he, he avoids the truth. And lastly, you see the church who announces the truth. This guy called Gamaliel comes up next. Gamaliel is a Pharisee. He's a Pharisee of the Pharisees. We find out later on that he was the teacher of Saul who became Paul. He was a big, big, big dude. And that's literally speaking, that's from the Greek, big dude. And uh, everybody respected him, all of them. And he came and he made this, he said, basically he said, look, there's been, a, there's been other uprisings before by these, by these two guys. And he names the two guys, Thutis and Judas, who, who did a rebellion and they all got killed. It, if it's of God, it'll succeed. If it's not of God, it's all over. Don't worry about it. And I've heard people you know, say, well, boy, and God used Gamaliel in this little episode to spare the life of the apostles. That, and, but it doesn't mean that, that Gamaliel's advice was right. I just wrote down some problems I had with Gamaliel's advice. He had already rejected the evidence because he classified Jesus with these two rebels. He assumed that history repeats itself. He said, give them enough time and they will fail. He said, if something's not of God, it will fail. Not necessarily true. Oh, I thought that's true. No, not necessarily. Why? Because success is not a test of truth. If it was, every large false cult would be a, a, an indicator of success. But truth is not declared truth because it's successful in man's eyes. Gamaliel said it was. And I think the thing, big thing about Gamaliel is he's, he's saying, you could be neutral. You could be neutral. You don't have to take sides and then you're okay. But we all know you can't be neutral about Jesus. <laughs> You've got to go one way or the other. All right. Let me just close. Verse 41, apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they'd been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. In verse 40, they, I, I left out the course of speech, persuaded them, but they flogged them. They beat them. And the apostles leave. They've been beaten. They've been in jail. But what are they doing? They're going, oh, man, my, my iPhone broke down last night. No, they're rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace. I can't even understand what that means. Day after day in the temple courts of house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. So in the midst of trouble, they never stopped serving. Great thing to remember. Isaac Watts wrote a song 
three centuries ago, Am I a Soldier of the Cross? You ever heard that song? How many of you heard, Am I a Soldier of the Cross? Every, every once in a while I look at this song and I remember it. Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb, and shall I fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name? Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? Are there no foes for me to face? Must I not stem the flood? Is this vile world a friend to grace to help me on to God? Sure, I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil, endure the pain, supported by thy word. Don't have much Christianity like that anymore. It's, we would rather be carried to the skies on beds of ease, I'm afraid. Let's pray.